0: Open your Bibles to Second Corinthians, chapter number one. Tonight we're going to look at the last piece of the puzzle, and next Sunday morning I'm going to sum everything up. Uh, maybe you're thinking, "Well, my, we just four pieces to the puzzle." Well, uh, there's a lot of things that could be mentioned, but I have a reason for uh, for dividing it up in this manner, and. Uh, and hopefully that as we've looked at each one of these pieces of the puzzle, uh, each one is distinct. There's, there's a difference between them and, uh, you know, what God does for one person that uh, the, the pain another suffers might be for an entirely different reason, so we can't just uh, lump it everybody that's suffering into one category and say that's the reason God did it and that's why we're looking at the different reasons. Second Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 1 Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy our brother under the church of God which is at Corinth and all of the saints which are in all of Caia. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all of our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings, which ye also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the suffering, so shall ye also be also of the consolation. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired, even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust, that he will yet deliver. Ye also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. I wish I had time tonight to just really deal with every verse in this, actually the entire chapter, and I don't, but we're going to focus in on some of these verses in just uh, a little bit. But tonight we're going to talk about pain and direction. Pain and direction. I suspect that most of us at some time in our life... uh, thought we were going in the right direction only to discover that we've been going in the opposite direction. That's happened to me more than one time, but uh, uh, I remember uh, one time uh, a few years, well, several years ago now, uh, you know, uh, something will happen, and I'll say, well, yeah, that was just last year, and Bev will remind me, no, that was like 10 years ago. So that's kind of where I'm at on that journey, but uh, it's been old, way over 10 years ago, and uh, David Matthew and I had uh, had gone fishing. We'd gone up toward Dallas at a, at a secret fishing hole up there, and it was really good fishing. And there's one certain turn, th- this is up toward... Uh, Where David Locke lives and uh, so Jeff might know the turn I'm talking about but there's one certain turn if you're not careful you'll end up in the opposite direction now that wouldn't have been quite so bad except I had driven for like remember this is like three or four in the morning and I'm not too alert at that point and I'd driven a good 30 minutes before I realized wait a minute I'm going south and I ought to be going north. So I had to turn around and go back and not only go back over the ground that we, you know, covered, but then start off in the right direction. Now, that's more than embarrassing. (laughs) You know, you can miss an appointment that way or you can miss out on the prime fishing right at daylight, you know, whatever the case might be. Now, all of us have done that to some extent, but what we're talking about today is much more serious than that because we're talking about being headed in the wrong direction spiritually. And, and that's why we preachers often talk about the fact that the greatest enemy of, uh, you know, of, of, of our Christian life and our service is, is not the things that are good or bad even. But it's uh, it's the things that keep us from the best. And a lot of times we think, well, if I'm not doing something that's really horrible, terrible, and something really bad, it's all right. Because what I'm doing is good, and there's, you know, no Scripture that condemns it or prohibits it, and uh, it doesn't do any any actual harm to anyone. But just the fact that we're involved in something that keeps us from doing that which is best makes that an enemy to us and that happens a lot of times in, in our life we let ourselves get wrapped up in things that you know that in and of themselves are not sinful but they sidetrack us from that that main line to God's purpose for our life now when that happens and God sees that we're going in the wrong direction it gets his attention he notices it long before we do, by the way. He takes note of that, and it not only gets his attention, it causes God to take action because, you know, as we're traveling along the road of life, suddenly God will interrupt us and he'll do something or call something that awakens us, you know, it might be something that shakes us to our very core, and then that's when the question why comes in why why this why me why now you know why is God allowing this to happen to me because you know in our mind we're not doing anything wrong in our mind all is well and as we've seen in our previous studies there can be several different reasons why God does that and tonight we're going to consider this matter of direction in our life. And sometimes, you know, we experience pain because ultimately it gives us the right direction in our life. Now, I hope you'll really listen because this can be very, is very closely associated with what I talked about this morning. And that is pain and opportunity. And and maybe maybe it'll help to understand it, to think about it like this. When we talk about pain and opportunity, God using pain to give us the opportunity to serve him, we're talking about God putting us in the place with, you know, the geographical location or whatever it is. You know, he's putting us in the place that gives us that opportunity to serve him. And naturally, for Joseph, that was in Egypt. For Daniel, that was in Babylon. For the Apostle Paul, that was in the Roman prison, you see. So, so God uses suffering and pain to put us in the place. But being in the right place does not mean that we're necessarily in the right state of mind or that, in other words, that we necessarily have the heart to fulfill that ministry. You know, sometimes, you know, we're in the right place. We're right where God wants us to be. Somebody asked me where, you know, God wanted me to be. I I wouldn't have to hesitate one second to say he wants me to be, you know, in Texas, the pastor of Lakeway Baptist Church. That's exactly where God wants me to be. And uh, that's one thing. But having the heart to do what I ought to do there is an entirely different thing. That's why we're talking about pain and direction. I asked the question this morning, you know, somebody might be thinking, why am I in the hospital? Why am I stuck in this dead-end job? How did I end up in a nursing home? All of this seems so unfair, and I don't understand why God would allow this to happen to me. Well, it just might be because God is not only concerned about you, He's concerned about all of those people that He brings you in contact with. But the problem is, the problem is so many times when we're in the place where God wants us to be, we don't have the right attitude concerning what we ought to be doing. And that's the problem that prompts God to take action. Now, I want to divide all of this up into two two areas that are very clear in the verses that I just read. Whenever pain enters into our life, and again, I want to reiterate, when we talk about pain, we're not just talking about arthritis, rheumatism, things of that nature. Not talking just about physical pain, we're talking about pain of any kind, any kind of suffering. And God uses all of those things. So whenever that happens, there are two things we need to keep in mind by way of pain giving us direction. First of all, our trials direct us to God. Because when we're going through trials, all of a sudden, we begin to see things that we ordinarily don't see. Uh, For one thing, it shows us we're not sufficient of ourselves. You know, sometimes we can think, boy, I'm young and I'm strong and I'm healthy. Well, yeah, 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 I know. you got it all together. Wait till your first kidney stone. You're rolling in the floor thinking you're having a heart attack or something. And all of a sudden, it's like I've said, I don't care how big and strong a person is. It can be J.J. Watt or whoever but when you get down in your back, you're down. You're down. You're out for the count. I don't care. You know, uh, it, it just it, it renders you unable to do the things that ordinarily you might do with ease. And so all of this shows us that our sufficiency is of God, that, that we need God's help. And a lot of people never realize that until they're flat of their back. And here we find that, uh, that that's exactly what Paul is talking about. Verse number 3, notice he says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. Now get this, and the God of all comfort. You know, at the very, at the very root of our problems is the fact that we have too much confidence in the flesh. Oh, we can do this and we can do that. And boy, when the trials come, they just knock the props out from under us and there we are in a helpless condition and in the crucible of pain then, finally, finally, we cry out to God and thank the Lord. Notice He's the Father of mercies. He is the God of all comfort. Don't forget who's writing this. Because if anybody knew about pain, if anybody knew about what it meant to be comforted by the Lord, it was Paul. Turn over just a page or two in your Bible to chapter number 4, and I want you to notice verse 8 and verse 9. There are many other verses we could read, but this, this kind of gives us a summary of, the, of, of Paul's life, uh, certainly his Christian life. Verse 8, we are troubled on every side. In other words, regardless of what direction I go, I, I run into trouble. It's everywhere. Yet not distressed. We are perplexed. We don't know what, what to do. But notice, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus in, in other words, here is a man that has really been through uh, the, the fiery furnace of suffering. And, and now he's writing to the church at Corinth, and he says that God is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And we never want to forget that, that God is the one that in, enables us, the one that makes us sufficient. Whenever Paul said there in Philippians chapter number 4 verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. He's the one that enables us, but that doesn't happen until we see our need of God. As long as we keep God at arm's length in our life. It's not that we deny Him. But we just hold him at arm's length, we're not going to let him get too close. We're not going to let him dominate too much of our life. And as long as we do that, we'll never experience the blessings of his mercy and his grace. And so our trials, our suffering, our pain directs us To God. It causes us to quit depending upon our flesh and to turn to God for the help that we need. But there's something else I want you to think about related to this because uh, when we think about Paul, especially, have you ever known of anyone that cared more about people than Paul did? I mean, other than Christ himself. Whenever you read all of his writings, it's very obvious that here is a man that is deeply concerned about people and, and you know for example whenever you come to the end of some of his letters like in Romans he begins to mention a bunch of names of people that are not even named anywhere else people that we don't even know people that have long since been forgotten and yet and yet some way or another their name found its way into the very word of God because Paul felt the need to mention their name. Now, what is it that makes a person such a caring person? We know people that believe basically all of the same things. We, uh, in other words, we, whenever it comes to the great doctrines of the faith, we believe in the virgin birth of Christ and His vicarious death and on and on and on. We, we agree on all of that. And so we join the same church and we adhere to the same, uh, you know, the same articles of faith. We believe exactly the same thing. But so many times there is a big gap between the one person and the other because one person is a very caring person, very concerned about the needs of others and the other person isn't. And the the question is, what makes... uh, what makes such a big difference between the two? I mean, you can look around and you can see someone that the very mention of their name reminds you that's someone that really cares. Somebody that's got a deep concern for the church and its members and and and, and, and it's obvious, but what is it that causes people to really care? Well, uh, I, I think that to a great extent it's due to what they have experienced in their life. We're talking about people that have been comforted by the Lord, and that affects their attitude toward others, and that's exactly what Paul is saying here. You know, whenever someone has been really deeply hurt, and I like what one preacher said. He said, it's doubtful that anyone has ever been used greatly until they're hurt deeply. I believe there's a lot of truth in that. I'll never forget what uh, one person said many years ago, and uh, I, I'd uh, just come on the scene, and they were talking about another preacher and talking about all of his strong points and his good points, and then made a statement said, the only problem is, you know, in spite of all of those good things, he didn't have the didn't have a pastor's heart. And, and then they made this statement, and it, it's because he's never suffered any pain, he's never had any hardships, he's never been through any great trials in his life, and consequently, he doesn't relate to anyone. And I tell you, it makes a difference. Whenever you've had a, an experience of pain and suffering and what have you. It not only draws you closer to God, but it has a way. Now, remember, it draws us closer to God. And whenever we get closer to God, what happens? All of a sudden, we start getting concerned about others. Don't talk about how close you are to God if you don't care about other people. Because you're not. You're not. So that brings us to the second thing. Trials not only direct us to God, but trials direct us toward others. Look at verse number 4 again. Now remember, he's just spoken about God being the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, but notice the words that he adds to that. Who comforteth us in all our tribulation. Aren't you glad he does? Wow. To know that regardless of what we're going through, that he's the God of all comfort, that he'll be there for us. Those times that we think that we can never get through this, we can never get beyond this. We can't deal with this. And God is there to comfort us. Uh, us. Who comforteth us in all our tribulation. Now notice that we may be able. In other words, God has a purpose in your pain. He does what he does that we may be able to do what? To comfort them which are in any trouble. How, how do we do that? by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted as God. You know, if we are honest, we have to admit that many times we're just not as concerned about people as we ought to be. I mean, that's just a fact. Uh, Somewhere in one of my notebooks, I'm not sure whether it... uh, whether it's one that got doused in the flood or not, I I can't remember, I haven't looked for the notes, but somewhere uh, I've got a message that I started that I've never preached on learning to live with people you don't love. (laughs) Learning to live with people you don't love. You know, the first step and biggest step is admitting a lot of times that there are people that we don't love like we should. And, boy, it, it's it's hard. Our old stubborn pride just, you know, resists us being honest and upfront about that and saying, look, I, you know, and, well, of course, we always try to justify it. Well, I don't love them because they're mean as a rattlesnake, you know. I don't love them because they, you know, they, they robbed me out of some money or this or that. We always got all of those reasons, but we ought to love them because Jesus loved us. I mean you know, that will be the end of the story there. And I want to tell you, a good dose of pain a lot of times can change all of that because trials give us, for one thing, it gives us special insight. Somebody might come up to me and say, you know, my wife died last week. I I, I just heard just a few minutes ago about a situation where this woman's husband died just a short time ago and now she's she's dealing with that issue well you know I look I, I I've got to tell you I, I don't know how that is my wife is still still living I, I can't imagine what it would be like to go through losing her but when we're going through trials we get special insight that other people, don't have I'm talking about other people that have never been through the same thing but it does more than that it gives us sympathy for the other person empathy might be a better word because we feel like putting ourselves, you know in their shoes and we enter into their suffering just as we rejoice with those that rejoice we weep you know weep with those that weep you see and uh, that's why love hurts so much because love can be disappointed, but, but I tell you, whenever you've, uh, whenever you've experienced great pain in your life, or maybe that pain is something that happened as a result of a failure in your life, uh, it might have been some sin in your life, whatever it is, and all of a sudden we begin to look at everybody else different, you see. There have been those that have taken up a, a, a cause in other words because in some way their life was touched by something that you know now they're contending against and now they're devoted to a certain thing all because of the experience they had the pain they suffered uh, i think about mad mothers against drunk driving or drunk drivers or whatever it is and uh, You know, I don't know the whole story, but here's a bunch of mothers that said, we've had enough of this. Our sons and daughters are getting killed by drunk drivers, and they created an organization, you know, that is out there on the front line of trying to put a stop to it. It's kind of like, you know, whenever your son or your daughter goes into the military and you... You know, we don't give a lot of thought as to their needs until uh, suddenly uh, our son or daughter is uh, several thousand miles away in the military. And boy, all of a sudden we get concerned and maybe become a part of a support group of parents who have children in the military. I think about John Walsh and, and how John Walsh got involved in fighting crime after the murder of his son. I don't know that he ever did anything like that before. Do you? I don't think he did. The boy, after he lost his son to someone that had no respect for life, he jumped into this thing with both feet and has just devoted his life to fighting against that, those victims that have suffered. And now he is giving himself to trying to Help them, you see. Sometimes it involves a disease, somebody that's had cancer. We see this all the time, uh, you know, cancer survivors and how that all of a sudden uh, they devote themselves to finding the cure for cancer. And I'm saying all of that to say this. You know, whenever God in his wisdom realizes that the direction of our life That thing that we are devoted to or should be devoted to is playing second fiddle. It's on the back burner. We're all involved in doing all of these good things and ignore the best thing. And God sees that and realizes that there needs to be a change in direction. And all of a sudden, God... Let something happen in our life that will divert our attention, number one, to him, that we'll see that we need him, and then all of a sudden our attention is focused upon those others that are in need of the comfort and the help that we ourselves received. I think, you know, our greatest danger is prosperity. We talked this morning about, you know, that early church and how they were persecuted, driven from their homes. And the Bible talks about all of those that were persecuted, scattered abroad, it says. In other words, they're driven out of their hometown, away from their family. They're living on the road out there somewhere. They don't have anything. They don't have a home to live in or anything else. But as they went, they began to preach the gospel to all of those they came in contact with. It makes you wonder what they had been doing before then. But after the fact, after the fact, now they have devoted themselves to preaching the gospel to others. You see, it's during those times of prosperity that we are in such great danger. We think about, you know, those of us raised here in America, and, you know, thank God for that. It's wonderful. Boy, we've... we've been so spoiled because we've had it so good maybe you're thinking well I haven't had it so good you know I was raised at a time that you know we had outdoor plumbing no electricity no you know and all of that and I know yeah you really had it rough and at the same time there were people in the third world countries and what have you living under a dictator there being abused in ways that that you've never even imagined I don't think any of us, in comparison to the rest of the world, can honestly say, you know, that we've had it bad because we've lived in America. No, we've been spoiled, and as a result of that, we don't have much sympathy toward other people, you know, that are in dire straits, you see. Our focus, we have our focus, you know, on our blessings, and sometimes our focus gets on our blessings to the extent that we're thinking more about the blessings than we do about the God who gave them. Oh, I thank God for this and I thank God for that. Well, that's good, wonderful. You ought to be thankful for what you have. But don't let ever let that divert your attention away from the God who gave you those things. But whenever everything's going good and all of a sudden... All of a sudden, God just opens the floodgate that we're just suddenly swamped. And uh, and now we begin to see our need of God and our need of attending to the needs of others that are going through similar circumstances. There's an old saying that says, hurt people, hurt people. and That's really true. Hurt people, hurt people. Some of we wonder why... Why do they do what they do? It, well, it's because they've been hurt somewhere along the line. You get somebody that's been hurt, it might be, you know, uh, some woman that uh, that was abused as a child. And it's very likely that because of that lingering effects of being hurt, that'll spill over maybe in the treatment of her children or attitude toward her husband or Whatever it is, hurt people hurt people. Prisons are full of people that hurt people, and they do so because of what they have experienced in their life. They've been hurt, and their philosophy now is, I'm going to get you before you have a chance to get me. Hurt people hurt people. But listen, hurt people also help people. I think that most of the time the greatest helpers are those that have been hurt. That's why I've said so many times, you know, we ought to let God make a ministry out of our misery, out of our faults, our failures, of the experiences we've gone through, because a lot of times the devil wants to convince you that you have fallen spiritually you failed miserably in some way. And so the devil wants to convince you, well, it's all over for you. You can't ever be of use to God anymore. Now you just feel worthless. You just exist. You don't have any purpose in life. Let me tell you, whatever it is that you've done, whatever your past record is, God can use that. Just as Paul is saying to those in Corinth that, that I want you to comfort others that have been comforted by the Lord. They know what it's like for God to comfort them in their trials and he's urging them. Now you go do the same to others. I know a man who has, a, well he's a preacher, he was a pastor and he has failed miserably on several occasions he's not qualified to to pastor a church but he has devoted himself to a ministry of helping other people that have fallen And there's something to be said for that you know because a lot of times we just want to write them off you know right just close the door on them don't want anything to do with them We start pointing out all of the things they've done wrong. Whatever it is that you've been through, whatever you're going through, I want to urge you to let God use that by way of a ministry in your life. There's something God wants you to do. And a part of your ability to do that well is the things you have experienced in the past. Every one of those things, whether it's something that that is altogether your fault or something that you had no control over, it just happened and God let it happen. And don't ever close your mind to the possibility that God let it happen because God was directing you toward a ministry of helping others. Because after all, if we're not going to minister to anybody else, there's really not any need in us being here, right? Because we're going to do more harm than good. We're just going to be in the way instead of being a blessing to others. Pain as a way of directing us primarily to God for the help that we need. And I mentioned that this morning. I, even in the matter of salvation, I don't think I would have ever been saved had it not been for the pain that you know, that I'd suffered, that I brought upon myself. And as a result of that, God used that. And then, you know, even as a pastor, i tell you, it's so easy. And I think back a lot of times to when I was a young pastor and I wanted to do everything right. And I felt like it was my job to make sure everybody else did everything right too. Including my family. You're going, you're going you're going to follow my rules i'm following god and you're going to follow my rules and you're going to do this and you're going to do that and, and i had very little sympathy for for anyone uh, bev can tell you you know as a preacher's wife there were a good number of years there that if she had told me i'm not feeling well tonight you know i i i, th- I think i'll stay home i you know, I might not have said anything, but I would have sent a message by my countenance. and The message would have said, you need to just get over it and get cleaned up and get out there in the car and we're going to church. That's the message she got. Well, I want to tell you, God has a way of, of letting things come into your life that will change your attitude toward other people. You know, it's real easy for me now when somebody says, you know, I, 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 I just don't feel good. I don't feel like doing this or don't feel like doing that. I, unless somebody proves something to the contrary, I don't have a problem with that at all. Why should I doubt them? It's not my place to judge them in that regard. Brother Ron called up here a while back and he was talking about, I think he had dialysis and what have you and he didn't feel good and mentioned the fact, you know, that he didn't know if he'd make it in the office that day. Well, I don't want you to make it in the office that day. I want you to stay home. I want you to feel better and get better. But I'm saying all of that didn't happen just in the course of time. It happened as a result of experiences. Let me tell you, don't make God give you some bad experiences so you can learn to love others unconditionally. Amen? I, but believe me, it's not worth it. That's a price you don't want to pay. And I just pray that God will uh, help us to realize and, 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 and believe me, there's so many other things that could be mentioned I, and things that we'll never know. When we talk about the puzzle of pain, we'll never know all of the reasons until we get to heaven. It's that old song, we'll ask the questions and he'll answer, tell us why. Anybody ever heard that old song? Now, we have a lot of questions, but he's got a lot of answers. All we need to know right now is that there is a reason and it's always a good reason why we have to suffer what we're going through. It's not pleasant, but it's profitable, and we need to learn to just trust God, and He'll put those pieces together, amen, and the end result is something that I'll guarantee you, I promise you, when you stand before Him in glory, I promise you, you will not have one single complaint about it, because then you'll understand why, amen, all right, let's all stand. And our Father tonight, how we thank you for your loving kindness and the opportunity to look into your word. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your activity in our lives and ways that we don't even know about, things that happen that we would never choose for ourselves, things that if we're honest at the time, we, uh, we just sort of resent. And yet, Lord, to, to be able to know through the truth of your word that all of those things are for some good reason in our life and how we thank you for that. And to know that our sufficiency is a view that whatever we're going through, whatever great trial, whatever difficulty it is, that you're more than able to meet our needs and to strengthen us and help us to be able to minister to others that are going through those things that, that you brought us out of and those things that you've, uh, you've enabled us to overcome and endure in our life, Somebody somewhere needs our help. And I pray that each and every one of us might determine in our heart that we're going to take all of those things that bring misery to us and we're going to use it as a means of ministering to others just like somebody somebody ministered to us and helped us in our time of need may we return that favor to those to whom we're indebted we love you lord and thank you for all of your many blessings and your great wisdom and the opportunity to be used to fulfill your purpose in jesus name we pray amen let's all stand together and we're going to sing a verse of invitation if God may be speaking to your heart about something tonight would you come It's 371 Have I-